Good morning, North America. Welcome to Church Talk TV, lively talk about life, church, and church life. I'm your co-host, Dr. Bill Tenney Britton, and I'm joined as usual by my co-host, Dr. Chris Tenney Britton, and we're broadcasting from our studio in Columbia, Missouri, the heartland of America. Say good morning, Chris. Well, good morning, good morning, good morning, and welcome to Church Talk TV Live from here in Columbia. Thanks for being with us today, and we're joined with uh, today by you know what, Tony? I don't even know your last name. What Swisher. is your last name? Tony Swisher. In front of me, Swisher. Tony Swisher. And of course, with my husband, the Reverend Dr. Bill Tenny Britton. Yeah, we're glad to see you. Thanks for joining us. This week, we are talking about, we're talking about online stuff with the church. And, you know, ever since the pandemic, you know, the church has been largely online. Interesting statistics how few churches, it was less than 20% of churches were online prior to the pandemic, and it went up to over 95%. In fact, I think it's 97% of churches in the United States, maybe globally, went online during the pandemic. And so there's been a lot of conversation. There's a lot of competition out there to, to get found online, to have conversation online, to make a impact online. Um, I've been known to say that for the first time in human history, the church can actually carry out the Great Commission on their cell phones, that they don't actually have to leave to go in and go into all the world. You can do it from your studio, you can do it from your cell phone, you can do it from your laptop or your iPad or whatever tablet you use. Anyway, uh, Tony is here to talk to us uh, specifically about that. How do you get found online and and? why it's becoming more and more difficult to make that happen. Chris, I see something. So, yeah, I, yeah, before you lead us forward, I just have to say, you know, churches through your iPad, through your phone, all of that, you can go out into all the world, but you know what? A whole lot of them have no business doing it, right? And and they may be going out into all of the world, but good night, what, what they're taking with them, what they're not taking with them, what they're leaving out, the impression that they're making. Um, and I'm not just talking content. In fact, I'll just set content aside, but just their presentation and what it is that, that they're purporting. So, okay, now I give it back to you, husband. All right. Well, no, Tony, you're, 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 you're the expert here. Share with us, you know, we're, how do we get online? How do we produce something that we're seeing online um, and all the rest of that stuff? Because Chris has a, a valid concern. A lot of church live streams are designed for, you know, the people sitting in the sanctuary and not for your online audience. So what do we do with that, Tony? So to start off, I'd recommend having a solid social media presence to start. Um, Facebook, YouTube. Now you have to be careful with those because Facebook and YouTube have what's called community standards. And those community standards, a lot of times don't like truth, uh, at least from a biblical perspective anyway. And so you run the risk of getting called out on, on preaching the truth and then shutting down your live stream. Uh, but that's a later topic. Um, but the key to a good live stream is good audio because let's be honest, how many people really just take their phone and sit there on the couch, just like, wow, look at this live stream. Like, like most of the time you're going to set it, 
and put it down and you're going to be doing other things. And so you'll be listening more than you're actually watching. Um, and so audio is half the battle. Like if, like, I'm going to bring my reverb back uh, from the test. Like if you're listening to the live stream and it sounds like this, <laughs> chances are you're going to stop listening. Um, <laughs> it doesn't matter how good the video is if the audio is terrible. And yeah, so that's, oh. yeah. And so that's the first thing any church who's live streaming needs to nail is quality audio because people will forgive poor video. Um, anytime you're on YouTube or even Netflix and your internet connection isn't that great, the audio stays pristine while they scale the video back. Um, huh. True. Yeah, absolutely true. Yeah. And so audio is key. And then you can produce it and pod podcast and stuff. But like with get establishing a presence on social media, consistency is key. Um, so like our, the church I'm at now, we have maybe 25 regular attendees, but we've got over a thousand followers on Facebook. Wow. Um, and that's because our lead pastor put in a ton of work and he's producing three or four videos a day just to blast on the Facebook page to keep audience engagement. Um, and so with that, it's, it gets you into their system. As, and as more people start to engage with it, the more people will start to engage with it. Like, it sounds redundant, but... It's true, like the more people who like watch it or even click on it, and we're talking like short 30 second reels four times a day gets more viewers typically than a live stream. Wow. Yeah. I've heard a lot a lot of good about using reels and the church is using reels as well as individuals and businesses and, and influencers and all the rest. But the reels right now and of course YouTube shorts, which is the the I guess they were the kind of the originals, maybe YouTube, Twitter. I don't know who was original, but anyway, but short, really short videos of one minute or less have really taken off. Yeah. yeah. And I just learned what reels were last week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the cool thing about that is you can pack a lot of truth into a minute time frame. And the cool thing is they don't have to be a full minute. They can be like 10 seconds. They can be 30 seconds. Uh, in fact, they're even doing reels up to three minutes now. Wow. And unfortunately, it's designed for the scrolling culture of the next generation where interested, no, keep going, keep going. And, um, and so you can actually use reels as a hook for like your sermon videos, for example, because like our church, we don't stream worship right now. We just like, we go live as soon as the message starts. And then what happens is one of the members, either myself or the pastor or the youth pastor will uh, take that live stream video and uh, create reels or shorts out of the live stream of good points be like, hey, watch the full thing here. But shorts and reels statistically get more traction than long form videos. 
I, I want to just clarify something. When Chris and I are talking about live streaming and how live streaming by churches is often deplorable, it's not because they're. It's not because the sermon is bad. It's because they do the whole service. So you've, you know, Tony, your church is taking care of that. And we're only streaming the sermon. We're not streaming the whole of the the music experience and the passing the offering plates and sitting there while the choir makes their transitions for standing up, sitting down, moving off the platform, etc. So, um, so both Chris and I, I'm pretty sure I'm speaking for her, would go, oh yeah, that. That that's great. <laughs> that 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 would not be a a, a pushback. So, yeah. so there is a way that you can incorporate worship and the traditional live in person service to online. Uh-huh. And that's by having online content available to cover those transitions. Ah, and so yeah. like event. The plan is eventually for us to have our full service live stream. And, but we got to have videos. Like the idea is bumper videos, essentially. Um, Explain what a bumper video is because there's a lot of people, my guess, that have no clue. I don't know what they are, but yeah, I bet we have some viewers have a bumper video. Is that like have to do, you know, bumper cars and smashing into each other? (laughs) Typical bumper videos. Uh, to the best of my understanding, are like pre-sermon, like introducing the sermon or getting the audience or congregation, however you view it, ready for the sermon. Um, That's one way, but you can also throw transitional videos in. Um, Like testimonies, for example. Like if your church has an effective outreach and you're bringing people to Christ and those people are willing to give their testimony. And most are. Yeah. And so you can like record those testimonies. And then when there's the awkward moments of transition, then you just throw a testimony up. And then the live audience gets to see this testimony while everything awkward is being hidden. It's kind of like, um, Uh, If you've ever gone to see a musical live, when they have scene transitions, what do they do? They darken the stage so you can't see what's going on. And then the pit orchestra will play music to keep you entertained while the transition's happening. And uh, unfortunately, it's the same way with that. You have to do something to take away from that. Gotcha. So let's go back to the reels and let's go back to um, your, our, our sermon type or, or whatever. We, we have a, a I, I hesitate to call it this, apologies in advance, a product that we're putting out there, whether it's a reel or whether it's our worship service or whether it's our sermon, uh, whatever it is that we're trying to get out there, um, getting attention today in the REA real world, the real world is is kind of dicey. So I, I, I've heard the first step is you know be have a good social media presence to begin with. So that means investing in the social media stuff. You know, actually yeah. making posts on a regular basis and um, getting engagement. And, and there's there's a big word. You know, engagement. How do we get engagement? How do we get noticed? And Chris, okay. I you're yeah. diving in. Yeah, I am. I am. And I want to say again that what we're talking uh, um, social media 
And that can be free, you know, and usually is. It's not like you're having to pay for ads or whatnot. I think a lot of people say, oh, you know, you know it's like advertising, blah, blah, blah. And I've got to, got to shell a lot of money. And that's not at all what we're talking about. We're talking about, um, I don't exactly want to say taking advantage. I Well, I'm going to. But leveraging, I, leveraging. We're leveraging. Yeah. Oh, but even still, that could be bad stuff, you know. But I mean, we are using taking advantage of this wonderful platform or these wonderful platforms called, you know, Facebook and Instagram and YouTube. And some might even find TikTok to get attention out there. Right. I don't know. So to answer your question, how to get that engagement or how to get those people to follow you. uh, First, most churches have at least five to 10 people who attend there. Right. So that should be, minimum five to 10 people already following the Facebook page or already liking the page. Now on average, and this is me speculating, but most people on Facebook have a couple hundred friends. Um, so invite all of your friends, because if you believe in the ministry that you're part of, then why not share it? And that's really what it comes down to is, does your congregation believe in the content you're pushing as well as in the message you're trying to share? And if they do, then why not share it? And if they're insecure about sharing it, then maybe there's a counseling session that needs to happen to try to find out like, hey, is like, maybe there's something toxic going on with that person And that could potentially ruin their relationship with the church as well as the unity within that body. 338 friends is average per person on Facebook. Okay, so I have to jump in there because um, I have six different ways of measuring church growth. I'm just going to, I'm adding seven. What percentage of your people follow your Facebook page? Right. So how many of your people are following your Facebook page? And, and you could even then take a proportion that are sh- uh, um, uh, add to that, that are sharing content from your page. Because like you say, Tony, what I'm hearing or interpreting is that um, if if people in your church don't like your Facebook page, what does that say, uh, you know, say to you about maybe what you're posting, like you church is posting, but maybe about their own spiritual life and their willingness to share uh, gospel, share what the church is doing. Um, and also, I think it is about relationship with your your church. So your relationship with God, your relationship with church, and how how willing are you to put it out there? So, William, you may have to remind me, but I've just come up with number seven of how to uh, how to measure growth. All right. Okay. Now you can keep going. Sorry, I don't interject. No, you're good. So, like with that. So you said it was like 300 something. We'll just keep the math simple, call it 300. Right. So if you have 10 people, uh, like let's just say 10 people total. So the pastor and his family, and then one other family that goes to your church. So we're talking small congregation, maybe a house church, something like that. Um, So if those 10 people all follow the page, that's 10. They invite 300, like all 300 of their friends. <laughs> like we're talking 3,000 people. Wait, my math might be wrong on that, but. No, it's like, not right. No, yeah, yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. 
that's if all their friends do it, like accept it. Right. But I mean, if even 10 of their friends do it, like the growth becomes exponential. Right. Exactly. And so even if you're reaching only 10 people of each friend group, those 10 people are reaching 10 people and those 10 people. And then what happens is boom, explosion and your page blows up. Um, and that's the way, and it's also identifying the purpose you want a social media following because, and this is just my humble opinion. If you're wanting a following because like you just want the stage, then just shut your Facebook down, close the doors to the church that like the church is there for equipping the believers for the work of the ministry. And what's the work of the ministry? It's spreading the gospel. And so getting the gospel out should be first and foremost, a priority. And then everything else to that is substandard. That's why Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all these things talking about your needs will be added to you. Um, and You're so, singing our song there, Tony. You're singing our song. Mission of the church is to make disciples that always has been, always will be. And if the church isn't pursuing that, then it's a membership club, and they ought to pull the word church off of their uh, off of their banner. Yeah, um, it's and, called a country club. Yeah, yeah thank you. Uh, or I like to think of it as a hotel for the saved rather than a hospital for the sinner. But uh, anyways, uh, yeah. And to come back again, just because this is that, you know, back to how churches are using their Facebook pages, you know, to wish people happy birthday within the church. It's an insider page rather than an inspiration of what's what's beyond Um, in looking at some of those stats of of what people are looking for, why they go and attend and return to particular churches. Actually, fellowship, if you will, that community part is lower than, you know, the sermon part. And um, I was kind of surprised about missional pieces as doing mission. uh, You probably ought, I'm going to interrupt you here. You're you're quoting a or citing a a resource that was put out this week, and this is um, April 18th, 2023. An article came out from Tom Rayner and his group about the reasons why why visitors return to churches. And the number one reason was uh, biblically relevant sermons. Um, And then there was it listed other things. And surprisingly, as as you say, that um, fellowship and uh, whatnot was was not really low. Don't get me wrong. It was it was lower, though. Right. Of the of the reasons. Right. Right. We think why churches, people come to churches and we have such an insider view. And and we're just going to have to do another episode on all of that. Uh, Yeah. The point I am trying to make is that is again, what we're talking about, um, how we really misuse and maybe even abuse uh, the use of our, uh, our social media. Yeah, definitely. And like, I believe you mentioned earlier that there are some churches who have no business being online. Um, and I believe those are uh, churches who are by and large ineffective churches Um, Because I know I've heard a lot of sermons, not from the church I'm at now, or even Sunday school teachers where they're talking about like, Jesus would rather have you be hot or cold. 
but because you're lukewarm and they interpret it as either for God or against, but culturally, that's not what he's talking about. Um, and I forget which two cities it was, but one city was known for their hot springs. And then the other city was known for their cold, refreshing water. And both of those things served a purpose. So the hot water was good for like relaxing muscles and things of that sort, cold water refreshing, but lukewarm water, nobody likes, it serves no purpose. And so when he's talking about the lukewarm church, it's the ineffective church. Right, exactly. And, and so if your presence on social media isn't helping to spread the gospel, then it's a lukewarm presence and you have no business being on social media. Yeah, so what kind of, oh, sorry. So what kind of content should churches be putting out? I mean, you know, it, it, once upon a time, I started a church back in Dothan, Alabama, years and years and years and years ago, um, back before a lot of our, our viewers were born, um, knocking on doors and saying, if you died tonight, you know for sure you go to heaven. And then we'd have conversations from there. Um, Putting that kind of content online isn't going to be all that helpful anymore. So what kind of content should churches be putting on online if they're going to get noticed and they're going to build a following? So something we've done is kind of posing scenario answer questions, if that verbiage made any sense whatsoever. Not really, so explain it. <laughs> so, so like our pastor came out of like, the gang scene and violence and stuff like that. And so he's very familiar with that demographic. And so what, what he does, cause he's primarily the one who's producing the contents right now, but he'll be like, he'll describe how he was in a way. And then like bring it around like full circle to like, and you're now that person but if Jesus can do it for me, he can do it for you. And it's essentially testimonies and gently smacking people with the truth. Um, because something we found, or at least I personally have found, if you come out of the gate swinging, people are just going to swipe. Oh. And so you get them engaged. That's part of why Jesus used parables uh, when he taught or... Um, when David was confronted about his sin, I believe it was Nathan, I want to say. Yep, that's right. Yeah. So Nathan came and he told David a story about a guy who had a bunch of sheep, but <laughs> took the dude who had one sheep and killed it. And David's like, this man deserves death. And then Nathan's like, well, you are that man. <laughs> and so it's a very effective way of communicating truth and letting the audience reach their own conclusion first and then like, hey, it's you, you need to wake up kind of thing. You know, you can, you can argue with theology, you can argue with what the scripture says, it's really hard to argue with someone's personal testimony or story. Yeah. This is what happened to me and you know, you don't have to agree with it or whatever, but this is what happened to me. And the only way you can really push back is if you think that person or accuse that person of being, you know, crazy or, you know, Looney Tunes or whatever, none of which is very helpful. And so, you know, as you say, sharing stories is, is it, it opens the door. People want to, people want to hear your story and 
people want to share their story and, yeah. and there's a key is inviting engagement with, you know, this happened to me, what's going on with you? I'm thinking about those little reels and, you know, getting people ready for, for the coming Sunday and to, to take, you know, even something as simple as I was and, and now I am. Um, and, um, um, what is it? The, um, the chosen. Yes. We have one of those sweatshirts that says, um, what is it? Well, you bought it for me. Something like I, I once was, and now I am because I met him. Now I'm different. Maybe, and all because I met him and, you know, to not exactly like that, because you probably don't want to steal that language, but who knows me, that's a great thing. But, you know, you can just that little bit, take a person and ask him da, 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 and now I am. And then to be able to say because of him and sweet in out and then build on on those testimonies for the coming for the coming yeah. week. So I'll give you an example a few months back in the middle of our live stream, in the middle of service, uh, a dude gets up like, and starts walking towards the front of the sanctuary. Now that of course puts people on edge. Um, and we've, and this is where theologically a lot of people might differ from us because we're more of a charismatic church. Um, but we've had people start manifesting in the middle of service before, like demons start manifesting. Wow. Um, and so usually what happens is they want to try to take the attention off of the word that's being preached. Uh, it's just like when Jesus went into the synagogue and they, there was a demon there and started manifesting it. It's to try to like pull focus away from what's important and distract uh, but this time the dude was getting up because he had to leave, but he wanted prayer. Now imagine being in a uh, quote unquote high church, as they like to put it, where it's insanely structured. There's no room for anything to go on. This guy got up and said they wanted prayer. They'd be like, sorry, after service, but he really had to go. So we actually stopped the service. Like he stopped preaching in the middle, got down, prayed for the dude. And the guy gave him his bottle. It was just like a water bottle like this had clear liquid in it. Gave the pastor said, I'm done. I don't want this anymore. And left it on the altar and gave his life to Christ. Wow. Before he left. Now that bottle was alcohol. Yeah. Like, so we're, we're almost out of time, Tony. I hate to interrupt because you an awesome story. I mean, that's I mean that's the key is story. But I want to just right now one of the realities and when we were talking with you earlier, um, you, you shared that it is more difficult for churches to get found online. What what's keeping churches from being found online, and what's the solution? And and uh, you got about a minute. <laughs> got about a minute. Okay. Um, it's just lack of engagement, really. If you can get your congregation to engage in your content, then it'll grow organically. And that's the biggest thing. But I do want to add not to put all of your trust in social media, because as the days get darker, restrictions against churches will increase. So seek- And already are. Yeah, yeah it's and really, yeah. Seek other platforms or even invest in your own website where you can put your own content on your own website. Oh, wow. and, our, 
Just a reminder that you own the email addresses. So when you, uh, if you um, can get people to surrender their email addresses, then you can have an engagement that way as well. That Facebook can shut you down, but when, once you have someone's email, and that's still the main way of communications in our culture today. Yeah. Yeah. And I found out the really hard way uh, a year ago, not quite a year and a half ago, that you do not own your Facebook list. And after I was horrendously hacked and um, and then my account was shut down, my uh, 3000 plus friends uh, disappeared. So, yes, building them back. Okay, I'm done. This has been this has been incredible. Thank you so much. Real quick, share with uh, with our audience how people get a hold of you, and then we got to go. Uh, so you can email me at anthony.shineevents@outlook.com. Um, yeah, and if you're in the Southwest Michigan area and you've got a film project you want to work on, I'm actually partnering with churches for free. Um, and if you're in the Michigan area and you want help improving your live stream, let me know. Um, we'll set up a time and I can help you with that. Awesome. Thanks so much. It's been great having you. We appreciate it. And we will see you and we'll see you all again soon. Have a great week. Mm -hmm.